for themselves. I've learned it for myself. He will come through. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the noon time. But many times it's late in the midnight hour. When you give it up and you thought that it can't be changed, the Lord himself will show up and show out. Oh, yes, he will. I came to worship God. I came to praise God. I didn't come to punch the clock up for just a patient. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Oh, you've been through. Oh, you've seen. Yes, he will. Yes, he will.
Philippians 4. I won't hold you long because you can't take much. Philippians 4. Beginning at verse 20. Philippians 4 verse 20. We're from the New American Standard Version. Now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I want to preach this morning. I want to tag with the title. I'm ending on a high note. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is purely by your sovereignty that we stand here today. You've been good to us. And we made so many excuses. We have a clandestine approach to worship that we mimic what others do. And we always take the path of least resistance and least sacrifice. Because God in our core, we are selfish people. And we think you understand, but you don't understand. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all these saints that have gathered here today, Lord, who came with a made up mind to worship. Father, I pray as always you would anoint me at this strategic hour that I may preach your word with power and the blind may see and the lame may walk and the deaf may hear and the saved may live like the saved. Have your way, Lord. In the incomparable name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. See the presence of the Lord. I'm ending on a high note. Found myself yesterday fixated on an article about a pop band out of Norway. Yeah, you're right about it. I know nothing about pop bands or Norway. But I was fixated on a story about this band who had their childhood dream fulfilled to be a band for 25 years and now they were coming to a close after 25 years and they were going on a tour of over 78 cities shutting it down and guess the name of the tour it was I'm ending on a high note because after 25 years of pain and 25 years of losses and 25 years of Anything you, that you think could go wrong has gone wrong. And 25 years of not good days and some bad days and some ups and some downs. And, and yet, after 25 years, they're still excited about the very fact that they're still here. After 25 years, they say, we're still here and we're super excited. And we're going to go out, not mute-mouthing, we're going to go out on a high note because we're still here. When I read that, I just kept thinking about that. How crazy, because, because I got kind of hallelujah happy, because that's not just only true about a band. That should be the same spirit about the body of Christ. We too should be a people of God who are enthusiastic and excited about a great and mighty God. And we too should go out on a high note. Because the truth be told, 25 years, 25 months, 25 weeks, 25 days. We too have had some pain in our lives. 
some losses in our lives, some things happen that we never expected in our lives. We've had some nights and some days that have been all mixed up. Our, our days act like nights and our nights act like days. And, and we've had it in our lives. And yet, in spite of all of that, when you add it all up, we're still here. Do we have any I'm still here folks in the house? I'm still here. You ever think about that sometime? In spite of it all, I'm still here. In spite of your trials and your tribulations, you're still here. In spite of treachery, you're still here. In spite of all the trouble you've been through, you are still here. By the grace and the mercy of God, you are still here. And because of that, you ought to say, I'm going out on a high note. I'm not going to go out mute-mouthing, pointing fingers, blaming folks, saying, woe is me and why is me now. I'm going out on a high note because the Bible tells me that God is not through with me yet. Isn't that good news? In spite, in spite of our unfaithfulness and our unpredictability, God is not through with us yet. And God deserves the highest praise because he's not through with us yet. And I've determined in my mind that I'm going to go out on a high note. This text, the vim and vigor of this age incarcerated apostle Paul is rooted with that sentiment about going out on a high note. Paul is now completing this epistle. And as he writes this epistle, can't you see Paul? He pens these four chapters, this love letter, if you will. And, and he wants to put in the hand of Epaphroditus, who's going to carry this epistle back to the church at Philippi. But can't you see, Paul, that as Paul writes and puts the finishing touches on this epistle and he begins to hand the letter to Epaphroditus, he tells Epaphroditus, hold up, I'm not finished yet. And he begins to write these four often omitted verses in this epistle. Can't you see, Paul, thinking back to himself that they're going to rejoice over Philippians chapter 1. As he starts talking about his suffering, his imprisonment in verse 7 for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to rejoice over chapter 2 because in chapter 2 he talked about, guess what, about, about the great submission of Jesus Christ. How he was in the form of man, morphe, and what, what he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. In chapter 3 of Philippians, they're going to rejoice. Because Paul started talking about his own salvation. Paul started saying, I used to be a Hebrew of the Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. I was five beta kappa. I was somebody and something. According to the law, I was blameless. But then I met Jesus Christ. I met him on that road. And now I've never been the same. And all that stuff that I was before means nothing. It's just dumb. Because nothing can compare to the greatness and the grandeur of Jesus Christ. They're going to rejoice in chapter 4. When Paul says, guess what? Now now I have sanctified, I've matured, because Paul says what? I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am in. I've learned to live with a lot, and I've learned to live with nothing. He said, guess what? I've learned this lesson. But Paul doesn't want to make sure that their rejoicing runs out. So he pins these last four verses. Is his way of saying, we're going to end on a high note. We're going to end with you understanding that God is not through with you yet. In spite of everything I've said in chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4, don't you skip this doxology in chapter 4 of four verses. And look what he says. Now, 
stop right there. Now, it's a particle of connection and continuity. Now means, Paul is saying, I just finished saying something. And now, I need to say something because of what I've said. Paul is now saying, now to our God and Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul breaks out, Reverend Eddie, in this unscripted, unexpected, uncouthed praise. Paul said, now. And he starts shouting. He starts writing as he writes in a pen. He's shouting as he writes. What would cause an apostle of Christ? What would cause a believer in Jesus Christ? What would cause a member of Friendship Community Bible Church? to just break out an unscripted, unrehearsed praise. It ain't even praise time. The choir ain't even singing. The praise team ain't singing. The band not even playing. And yet he breaks out in this, in this unexpected, unscripted, authoritative praise and worship. He just can't keep it to himself. And there'll be some times in your life, in my life, in your life online, when you didn't mean to wave your hand, but you wave your hand. You didn't mean to shout, but you're shouting. You didn't mean to really stand up on your feet, though everybody's just sitting in their seat and declare, what a mighty God we serve. You didn't come home with that in your mind. You were going to be cool, calm, and reserved like you are every week. But something got a hold of you. Paul says, now to our God and Father. Why? Why? Well, on the macro level, he looks back at the entire four chapters, all that God has done for him over those four chapters, and that elicits praise. But on a micro level, it's because of the fact in verse 19, he's already said, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So when he looks back on the macro and the micro, they both are the same. And that is God has been good to me. When you look back on the macro of your life, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, or you look back to last night of your life, either way you slice it, God has been good to you. And he broke out in praise because on the macro and the micro, it's still the same. God has been good to me. What does that mean, preacher? It means you need to point your praise in the right direction. Point your praise. Because he says that him be the glory. He pointed in the right direction. John Blake, a CNN columnist from years ago, wrote an article. And the article was about athletes who when you interview them after games, they're giving praise to God. He wanted to know, why do these athletes give praise to God when they win? And he went on to say this, does that imply that God is not with the loser? Does God only deal with the winners? Someone responded to that so eloquently because he wanted to know what locker room is God really in? Some great listener was heard that and said, well, let me tell you about God. Our God is omnipresent. 
which means you can't limit God to one locker room. God's in both locker rooms. For the children of the Most High God, he's in both of our locker rooms. That when we win, he is our mighty warrior, a fortress mighty in battle. And when we lose, he's our great God. He's our friend that sticks closer than a brother. But he told Blake, Blake, either way you're slicing, God gets the glory. Whether we win, lose, or draw, we still going to give God the, oh, somebody just got set free up in here. Somebody just got set free because you only thought that God was in your locker room when you win, when you're on top, when things go well. And you feel like God is not in your locker room. But the God that we serve, he's in the locker room when you win or when you feel like you've lost. Because he's God all by himself. And because he's that, whether we win, lose, or draw, he's still God all by himself. And he deserves the glory and the praise forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why the Bible says, Psalm 115.1 says, not unto us, O Lord. Oh, no, not to us. But to thy name belong the glory. First Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He deserves the glory. Revelation chapter 4, John lets us peek behind the curtain of heaven. And he shows us these creatures who are bowing down before the Lord. And they're giving him glory. And then there are these 24 elders with crowns, the Bible says. And they cast their crowns at his feet. And they cast their crowns. And then they heist to him, Reverend Eddie. Because then they start saying, to him that sits on the throne, be honor, power, glory, dominion, forever and ever and ever. Either way you slice it, God deserves the glory and the praise forever and ever and ever. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Give God praise. Give God glory up in here. You ought to learn to whoop-de-whoop God no matter what your situation is. God deserves the glory if you're on the mountain or you're in the valley. He deserves the glory. God deserves the glory in your nice days and your nasty days. He deserves the glory. In the days in which you're overcomer or you feel overwhelmed, he deserves the glory. In the days of your success or your setback, you're going to learn to stop being conditional Christian. That either way it goes, either way the wind blows, God deserves the glory and the honor. We need to show God off. With our lips and our lives. Because Jesus said in John 17, 4, I have glorified thee by finishing the work that you gave me to do. We give God glory when we do what he left us here to do. And either way you slice it, God is worthy of the glory. Well, how long, Pastor, should I give God the glory? It's in the text. Not just on Sunday morning in your life group and walk through the Bible from 9.30 to 10.30. Or 10 to 10.30 because some of you arrived late. Or maybe it's not just from Word Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. And it's not only in this worship hour from 11 
until, until, uh, because sometimes you don't arrive until. But the Bible says, guess what? Forever and ever and ever, in the words of heat wave, always and forever. And he said, amen, which means I agree. Do you agree with that? Will you vote for that? Will you say, count me in? Let it be so. Oh, man. Anybody feel like saying, oh, man. Not oh, man. Oh, man. With everything I have, I agree that God deserves the glory and the honor forever and ever and ever. Oh, man. Because I'm ending on a high note. Some of you say, well, Pastor, ooh, I got my word for the day. Ooh, you fed me already. Ooh, I'm ready to go home now. Oh, yeah. I got mine. I'm ready to go. The Apostle Paul knew that that spirit of I got mine was in the church at Philippi and would be at the church at Friendship. It's the Achilles heel of many Christians. The mentality of I got mine. As long as I got mine, that's all that really matters, isn't it? I got mine. I got my song, Reverend Eddie. I got my sermon. I got to meet my friend. I got to sit in my seat. I got to park in my spot. I got mine. So if I got mine, I am good. Because after all, it's only about me. But Paul writes this with that in mind. And he says to us in verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So Paul moves it. He moves it from a meanness of Christianity to a weakness of Christianity. Greet every saint. In Christ Jesus. And three times they used the word greet, which suggests this must be very important. But, but, but let me explain to you what aspazimai, it's a Greek word, what it means in the original Koine Greek language. It does not mean to nod. It does not mean to high five. It does not mean to wave, hey y'all. No, it means to engulf to embrace, to wrap your arms around. It means about proximity, to get close to one another. That's where the rub comes. And who else was to do this with? He says, saints. Now let me chase that rabbit, and we'll be right back. Saints, because some of you grew up in ecclesiastical circles, where a saint was someone who had pictures, who was revered, had statues, who were revered. A saint was someone who, 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 who had done a miracle or experienced a miracle, and a saint had to be dead to be a saint. Right. A saint was someone who really uh, was a paragon of perfection. They were perfect, and they bestowed on them Sainthood. But biblically, that's not a saint. Because biblical sainthood is not about your perfection. It's about Christ's perfection. Where you get that from? 1 Corinthians 1 by verse 2 or 3 there, Paul writes to this church at Corinth who's crazy, cantankerous, with conflicts, all confused about a whole lot of doctrines, and yet he calls them sanctified saints. 
Because being a saint is not about your behavior. It's about the blood. If you're born again through the blood of Jesus, you are a saint. You've been set apart for God's service. So a saint ain't just a statue, ain't just a necklace that you wear. We are people who are imperfect, but we are saints because our Savior is perfect. And he says, the saints. So he's talking about church folks. Greet all the church folks. Embrace them. Have an attitude of involvement and engagement because they're saints. I'm going somewhere. Greet the saints. Have a different temperament about how you view the body of Christ. He's saying allow yourself to engage and be engaged by the body of Christ. I'm going somewhere. He's speaking against this Christianity that's based on individualism. He's saying your Christianity must have a corporate dimension to it. I'm going somewhere. He's saying allow yourself to stop just focus on me and my family and my child and my health crisis and think about we because ain't nobody told you yet I'll tell you now you're not the only one going through something there's other folks sitting right here right now that's in the same stuff you're in but you don't know it and they don't know it because you don't greet each other Preach, Pastor Hammond. We don't know what got a hold of you today. Just talking about, watch this. You got to permit yourself to be touched. And we're going to go out on a high note. You got to permit yourself to be touched. Oh, let me go here. Because you ain't heard the last of this yet. I'm going to keep hitting this nail on the head as long as I can in this church. Permit yourself to be touched. If you've ever been to Jamaica or you know someone that's been to Jamaica, it's a wonderful place. And you had to hear some place called Dunn's River Falls. Dunn's River Falls is, is this place, this favorite tourist attraction. The waterfall is like 180 feet high, 600 feet wide long. It's, it's amazing. Cold, frigid water. High. And crazy people like myself spent over an hour climbing Dunn's River Falls. Crazy. I said I'll never, ever, ever, ever do that again. I'll take a picture by it. Oh, yes, I will. But I ain't doing that again. Over an hour to get to the top. Crazy. But here's the conundrum, Elder Jones, for Dunn's River Falls. That you, you can't get to the top unless you hold hands. In order to go there, they make you hold hands with folks who you've never seen. Some of their languages and dialects You've never heard before. And yet for you to get to the top, 
you got to hold hands because the rocks are hard and the water is cold and the pathway is slippery. And they kept saying, you got to hold hands. You got to touch somebody because you just can't make it by yourself. You can't get to the top by yourself unless you let somebody touch you and you touch somebody else. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. I came to tell somebody today that ain't just true about our river fall. It's true about us, us also as the people of the Most High God is that we must learn that we can never get to the top in your house or the top in this house unless we learn to touch somebody and let somebody touch us because the way is too hard, it's too steep, it's too dangerous, and we just can't make it. Oh, I have a witness up in here who has learned that we just can't make it by ourselves. We got to touch somebody and allow ourselves to be touched back. But that's the triumph. That's the tragedy of the local church. We don't want nobody to touch us. We want to throw out theological truth. But guess what? We don't want to touch anybody who we threw it to. You must learn to let people touch you, feel you, and see you. We got to lose this protocol of pretension that says, I'm okay just because I'm dressed up and you dressed up. It don't mean we okay. It could mean we hide some stuff. And the Bible is telling us today that the body of Christ, we must be willing to open our lives, to be vulnerable, to let the body of Christ be the body of Christ. that not the genius of Acts 2, the early church? That early church was touchy-feely. If anybody needed prayer, they prayed with them. Anybody needed bread, they gave them bread. Anybody needed to sit and talk with them, they sat and talked with them. And they were touchy-feely. And in verse 43 of Acts 2, the Bible said that that wasn't all the presence of God. That when they touched each other, when they did life together, God showed up and showed out. Because they touched one another. And when they touched one another, God touched them. Could it be that God is waiting to set this house on fire, waiting to set your house on fire, waiting to liberate you, what you've been praying for, hoping for. God wants to touch you and set the captives free, but you won't let anybody touch you. And God blessed them when they touch one another. And he still does that today. Somebody right now in this church needs your support. Somebody needs your help. Somebody needs your insight. Somebody needs your love. Somebody needs your oversight. But you two caught tripping on yourself. And you won't touch anybody. You'll wave, you'll smile, you'll say these platitudinal statements like, I'm going to pray for you. You ain't going to pray for them. Not with intentionality. And we've learned to do church from a distance. Some of you online. You're online not because of your health, because you'd rather be online than be with the people of God. Because you don't think you need to be touched. 
But God doesn't let you just deal with him without dealing with his people. Oh, Pastor Hamilton. You lost your mind. You don't know how many churches I've been in. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've seen. All that kumbaya stuff. Pastor, you don't understand. You don't know. I, I tried that. I tried doing life. I, I tried being one of some folks. I tried. Oh, yes, I did, Pastor. I, I found it in the Bible. And I, I tried what you said. And yet, Pastor, I want to tell you that guess what? It's some messy folks in the church. Say amen. It's, it was a big old mess. Woo, I got hurt real bad. It's just messy. So now I just sit to myself and stay by myself and I sit online by myself and, and I, I ain't fooling with them and I double dog dad in the fool with me. Because they just messy. Well, if you put two sinners together, Your sin and their sin, it's going to be a mess. But here's our real problem. You see no higher value in relationships but your own personal satisfaction. It, because it hurts you, it offends you, it stretches you, you don't see a need for it. Because all you see relationships for is really what they can do for you. But I've learned that God is able to take a mess and a messy relationship and mature you. I have a witness up in here. See, you think the relationship about you, but even that messy relationship God still wants the glory and the honor and the praise in the messy relationship. It ain't about you. It's about God. Oh, I can't do that, Pastor Hammond. Yes, you can. Paul said in 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, yes, you can. You don't want to. You don't want to. Oh, yes, we can. God is able to take you and deal with somebody who hurts you and teach you to love them. God is able to take you with somebody who embarrass you and teach you how to check your own ego. God will let someone who betrayed you badly and deeply and God will use you to bless them and be a part of their lives. I'm telling you, God matures us through messy relationships and through the mess of the relationship that God makes us better. You don't see the sovereignty of God in the sinfulness of people. You must see God is at work. He allowed that man to come your way. He allowed that woman to come your way. He allowed that member to actually dial your number because he, he want to do something not just with them but with you. That's what God is saying today. You got to touch somebody. Touch somebody. I watch you at greeting time sometime. And you only greet the same people that you always sit by. You greet the same people who roll to, to, to church with you. You already know them. There's a lot of new members in this church. When are you going to greet them? When are you going to talk to them? You got to give her hospitality. Why are you inviting anybody over? You going out to eat after church? Why can't anybody go with you out to eat after church? You the only one got money for Papa Dose? 
You're in a life group. Many of you don't like life group because it's too close to you. So, so we like we like biblical exposition. And we can just hide behind the text and parse verbs and talk about the actual historical context of what it means and parallel verbs and parallel nouns. But we don't parallel lives. This church to be great, to be great. And I ain't talking about just a membership. I ain't talking about the role. I ain't talking about the tithes and the offer. I'm talking about a great church that generally loves one another and cares for one another and, and, and bears with one another. Got to touch somebody. Got to touch somebody, Reverend Eddie. Got to touch somebody, choir. Got to touch somebody in the sound team. Got to touch somebody, Clarice. Got to touch somebody. And let somebody touch you. Pastor, I can't do that. And I like what he says. Greet every saint. You know what that means in his book? In chapter 4, verse 2, there were two sisters, Udoa and Syntyche, who couldn't get along. And that means even greet them and their people. Those that sided with them, greet them too. That we don't skip nobody. Everybody matters to God. And everybody should matter to us here at Friendship. That's why I say all the time, we're a family. And I know your family messed up like my family messed up too. And yet God takes the mess of our families and gets the glory and the honor in his local church. You got to stop demanding of people what God doesn't even demand of you. Oh, Pastor, I still can't do it. He knew you'd say that. Because he says in verse 23, I'm getting ready to go home, y'all. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He knew you would say that. He knew that you're saying, well, that's good for them, but that ain't how I roll. And, and you know, uh, 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 I'm a private person. What happened at the house, stay at the house. And I ain't sharing with I don't know these people. Exactly. And they don't know you either. You scared of them, they scared of you. And yet the Bible is saying that the grace, Paul begins this great epistle talking about the grace of God. Because guess what? In Paul's life, that everything was predicated. The alpha and omega of his life was the grace of God. He never forgot I am who I am by the grace of God. But this grace was not a saving grace. He's already saved. This grace was a supplying grace. It's a supplying grace that every resource he needs to accomplish what God assigned him to do, God gives it to him through the mechanism of grace. It's an empowering grace to do what God will have you do. So you can't say, I can't do it. Yes, you can do it. But through Christ, you can do it. Because why? Because grace is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. His great grace, all the grace that he has given, the empowering grace, Grace that he gives allows us to be able to do it so we can do it. Everything he says, we can do it through the grace of the Lord. And I like what he says, be with your spirit. He don't say that in his writings, but he says it here. He's trying to emphasize something, that this grace, Psalm 133 talks about how the oil comes down the beard of the anointed man of God. And, and Paul is taking that same idea, idea and saying, may the grace of God come, come upon you and the grace of God permeates every part of your life, that it just soaks your life. 
There's no part of your life, no part of your heart, no part of your head where the grace of God does not dwell. It's like pouring a horn of oil on the top of someone's head. It just washes them from head to toe. And he's saying the very same way. May this grace of God get inside of you. May it infect you and affect you in every single way of life. The grace of God empowers you to do what God told you to do. He said, I want it to be with your spirit, not just your head, but in your spirit, in the very crevices and the core of your being. I want it to go down deep and then you can pull off what God wants you to pull off. Why, Paul? Why is he saying this? Because Paul knew that though he is gone, he won't see him again. But he also knew that trying to serve the Lord is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And you're going to be tempted to quit and throw in the towel. You're going to be tempted to really turn your back and go back to what you came from. But Paul is saying, I'm telling this that you may be able to persevere through whatever you face in the future, whatever comes your way, grace can empower you to do what God told you to do. It's the grace of God that gives you power to pull it off. When I run out of batteries for my remote and we go to H-E-B, there's a multitude of batteries there to choose from, prices and sizes whole aisle filled with just batteries. But you know, I have no problem selecting a battery because the one I always select is Energizer. You know why I select Energizer? Because a long, long time ago, there was this pink bunny. You remember the pink bunny? And the bunny was so amazing that the bunny was, no matter what was going on, whether it was storming, whether it was raining, was a hot, arid desert, if things were falling from the sky, you kept seeing the pink Energizer Bunny showing up and beating that drum, 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 and things were falling. It was hot, it was raining, it was storming, and he beat that drum, and beat that drum, and turned around and turned. But no matter what happened that way, there was nothing that could stop that Energizer Bunny from beating that drum, beating that drum. In fact, they had a little motto. He said, and the Energizer Bunny keeps going and going and going and going. That ain't just true about a bunny. It ought to be true about every born-again believer in this house, because in this life, it's going to rain. In this life, it's going to be desert. In this life, stuff going to fall from the sky. But I want to encourage your heart today. Keep beating the drum of obedience. Beating the drum of faith. Beating the drum of worship. Keep on beating your drum. Anybody got a drum up in hell? Then beat your drum and finish on a high note. I'm beating my drum and nothing will stop the work of God in this house or in your house if you keep on beating the drum of faith. What a mighty God we serve that you may be able to end on a high note. Any high note folks in the house, give God praise. Give God glory as we end on a high note because we going to be all right. I read my Bible. And I discovered that, guess what? We found that, guess what? Joseph ended on a high note. Because he says in Genesis 50, when you leave Egypt, 
take my bones with you. That was a high note. I read my Bible, and Joshua ended on a high note. Because guess what? In chapter 24, he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's a high note. I read my Bible. And Naomi in Ruth chapter 4 ended on a high note. Because there she is holding this baby boy named Obey. Obey. She had lost her son. She had lost her husband. She had nobody and nothing. And yet she's got this baby because God always ends it on a high note. I read my Bible. And in Malachi, it said in Malachi chapter 4, and guess what? That God is going to send Elijah. And when Elijah comes, he's going to reconcile son to the father and father to the son. It is on a high note. I read Acts chapter 7, and Stephen was being stoned. Wasn't he stoned? They were stoning Stephen to death for preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet the Bible says that the Lord stood up in heaven and he, and he said, guess what? Guess what? Father, do not hold this to their account. And he died after a stoning, but he ended on a high note. You read your Bible lately because the Bible says that we have a Savior named Jesus Christ. And didn't he end on a high note? They whipped him all night long. They beat him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and they pierced him in the side. You know the story. And they hung him high, and they stretched him wide, and he bowed his head, and he died. But he's a high-note Savior. And the Bible says, all night Friday, all night Saturday, but early, early, early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in heaven and earth. And that's a high note. Give God a high note praise. What a mighty God we serve. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Give God praise. I'm in this on a high note. What a mighty God. We serve. Thank the Lord for Jesus. Thank the Lord for grace. Thank the Lord for one more day. What a mighty God. We say, I'm through preaching, y'all. I just need to praise for a minute. Had a tough week, a tough two weeks, but I'm still here. Had some tough times, don't have some more, but I'm still here. And I just came to tell somebody on my way back home that I, I gotta praise, I gotta praise, and I gotta get it out. I gotta praise.